Everybody, Greg Armstrong here. I hope you're enjoying the Gospel and Race podcast. I do realize that we have so much more to dig into as it relates to this conversation about the church and race. And so I've created a space for us to have a community, a network of sorts, a relational network of like-minded leaders who want to engage multi-ethnic leadership, church planting, and kingdom work. So we call it the Multi-Ethnic Leaders Network. I got a website for you. I want you to visit multiethnicnetwork.com so that you can get all the information about being a part of this community. Let's grow together. Let's see racial disparities in our churches and in our communities dispelled by the power of the kingdom and by unified voices and collaboration. Y'all join with me today. But then also, can the church do the deeper work? in carving out additional spaces where it does not have to be the heritage model for us to highlight a Hispanic woman who is killing it and doing great work for the kingdom and as a voice at the table in our churches to help us see multi-ethnicity. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Gospel and Race Podcast. We are here. Let's go. Yo, we here. Like, <laughs> like we've been dreaming about this for a little while. I just want to shout out our entire team for just putting this all together because we are going to open space for the real conversations around the church and race, which we got to do. Now, before I get into all that, um, I'm Greg. My name is Greg Armstrong. So here's what I do. Uh, I'm a husband in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yep. I have three boys. I'm a pastor of a church. And uh, in my spare time, I'm a musician as well. So that was kind of my history in church. So I'm just, you know, I feel called um, to lend my voice to the other amazing voices in the world around kingdom stewardship with justice, reconciliation, multi-ethnic church planting, and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, I got my homie with me. Yo. <laughs> Mahogany's up? in the house. This is my hey. homegirl. We have done ministry together. We co-labor at mm-hmm. our church together, at Renew yes. Church. And she's a voice. She's a gift. She's a beast. You are very kind. Oh, I it's the real it. deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, so the way we wanted to do this podcast is we wanted to just, we wanted to do it with friends. And mm-hmm. To, to some folks that we can really help expound this conversation yeah. about race and the church and the gospel. And so you, my friend, are the first. You're like the inaugural. This is this is feeling very <laughs> special to me. I have to say, I was just like, oh, my gosh, are you really asking me oh, this? Oh, it's, it's down right now. Yeah, I, I feel, because I know this is going to do some great work. It's going to blow up. I fully believe that, and so I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so this is the Founding Fathers uh, podcast here. So we're excited about what God's going to do. I want, you know, I think it's important, Mahogany, for people to know these few things. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in this field, right? I love Jesus. I love his kingdom. I love the church. I love all these nations and colors and ethnicities representing the kingdom. And, you know, I know that isn't everybody's call and I don't think it needs to be everybody's calling. But I think for me, 
you know, the Lord really arrested me in this area and has tasked me with being a part of the conversation. And so, but I think people need to understand though, like this is for God's kingdom. Mm. Like we're, we're not doing this to be contentious. We're not doing this to be malicious or to be, um, uh, uh, antagonistic Mm -hmm. like we're having real conversations based on real life experiences based on real factual constructs in our country in the church where we can all wrestle together Mm -hmm. and watch this so that we can live in the tension let me say something real quick we hate especially the church Mm -hmm. we hate to live in tension Mm -hmm. we believe that every part of our christian experience and the kingdom experience needs to be oh my god it feels so good Oh, Lord, I feel so good. I feel so, There's no worries, no problems. But, like, the scriptures don't even outline that for us. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm yep, saying? Yep, yep. The scriptures don't even show us that. And so I think if we're going to have these conversations on race, racism, injustice, mm-hmm. whiteness, mm-hmm. white supremacy, black, Hispanic, all these, all these conversations we need to have in regards to the church, we're going to have to learn how to live in the tension. All right, I do this at our church, so we're going to do this here on the podcast. We're going to take a worship moment. Let's, let's do that. Um, God, would you help us mm-hmm. to live in the tension mm-hmm. of tough conversations? Because every time we run, we miss an opportunity. That will actually preach right in there. In Jesus' name, amen. That will actually preach right there. So, so yeah, so what are we going to talk about is that? We, we... You know, one of the things that you were talking about, you were just, as you are just introducing this for us is that I think it's hard for people right now Mm. is sitting in that tension and having it be a conversation. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is I don't have all the answers. Like I'm not the expert. I am not here to provide end all be all information on what this looks like. What I'm here to do is open up a safe space. And I think that's important. Cause I, I think what we forget is I think we forget to invite in the helper, like yeah. the Holy Spirit helps us sort these things out. And, you know, I'll be honest when it comes to race and injustice um, and equality, you know, what, what I'm what I'm on right now is like we, we I, I say this with respect. We don't need another panel, mm. another panel. We panels work. They're, they're, they're a blessing. But I don't think we need another panel. I don't think um, we need another march. I think marches bring awareness and they're beautiful and they bring solidarity and they bring openness to these causes. Um, we don't need another sounding box to kind of, we know what the problems are. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this is going to be funny. I, and if, if we say this today, y'all going to, it's going to bite me, but I hate this term. We need to have a conversation. Mm. Okay. We need to have conversation about when it comes to racial injustice and inequality and those things, we need to have more conversation. I'm so tired of conversation. You're tired of conversation. Here's what I'm contending for. We don't just need conversations. We need discerning by the spirit where we sit at the table and we bring up these racial injustices and these, these issues and these issues of multi-ethnic tension. And we invite the spirit in to discern together and then it's an act of humility. It's an act of togetherness and community. And we figure these things out by the spirit and the spirit begins to convict in areas that we know we need to touch. And we make a decision if we want to engage what God is trying to reveal to us. That's what I'm talking about. And yeah. for me, 
tell me if I'm off on this, but for okay. me, I think that's different than have a conversation because we know that our country is dealing with racial disparities. We know that there is still systemic racism. We know that there are a lot of issues in terms of, although we don't see redlining, there is redlining. Like we know that the church has its own issues with racism. And if we just keep talk, having conversation mm-hmm. and not have a true discerning of a king of the kingdom, I, I don't think we're going to see any, any forward movement. Yeah. Because you know it's almost like, yeah, what, what it, that makes me think about the, the dependency that we've grown on human wisdom yeah. and how everybody has something to say. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. But to your point, there's one person, spirit. Just one. That's missing at the table. You better preach. That. And it's the Holy Spirit. And so that also makes me think about how important it is for us to lean into our theology of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role. Yes. Because part of part of maybe our issue is that we don't know the Holy Spirit's role in this entire conversation. So talk, speak about that a little bit more. You're talking about sitting at the table, discerning together. Give us like, what does that really look like? Well, it's, I, but I need people just to hear that. It's, that's not a Christian cop out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we really focus on the kingdom and all this is necessary for us to really have this conversation. So if you're watching this and you're like, okay, Y'all kind of going church right now, and I want to hear about gospel and race. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about gospel and race without having the underpinning or the foundational um, posture of Holy Spirit has got to help us do this. Yeah, The Holy Spirit has got to help us sort these things out. And I think when our flesh gets in the way and all of us are so opinionated and, and many of us are angry, mm-hmm. many of us are struggling in the church with racial injustice and multi-ethnic tension, then we don't even we don't even think to invite the Holy Holy Spirit. Would you come in? Mm-hmm. Would you come in? And so I think we need to invite him in, like the Bible says. Yes, yes. To help us be led to all truth. I think we need to invite the Holy Spirit in so that we can discern appropriately by his leading. Yeah. And I think we need the power of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. As we start these conversations, I said conversations. What should I say? It's a different kind of conversation. Okay. You're contending for a ben. different kind of conversation because it's still a conversation. Right, right, it's right, different. Right, it's just right, different. Right, exactly. That's good. So as we as we engage these conversations, we have got to rely on the power of the Spirit yeah. to transform, to convict, to bring clarity, to bring truth, to translate these ideas so that we can all actually get on one accord. And we understand, like you read the book of Acts, there was a lot of tension about doctrine, about even race Mm -hmm. and about, so there was a lot of messiness there and I get that happens. Division happens, et cetera. But we need the Holy spirit to come and help us discern these conversations so that God can do a work. Discern and discern. That's it. Yeah. Discern and ultimately transform because the transformation will only happen through his work. That's right. That's Agreed. right. That's it. Come Agreed. on, we on the same page there. <laughs> we on the same so page. So all that is needed. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and as we talk about these things, because um, we're gonna talk about some real stuff, experiences I've had, you've had, we've all had, 
Um, and we just need to have a discerning posture in order to receive and actually be better. So anyway, so I want to today I want to talk about this idea. We posted something like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, idea of color and culture. Okay. So I've been I've been in the multi ethnic church space for a good amount of years now, and I feel like so I I felt called to it for this reason. Um. We were talking earlier about how God will set you up mm-hmm. in a season that makes no sense for his purpose that will later be revealed, yeah. right? And so for me, that came with my mom and dad sending me to a private Christian school that was like 90% white. Forgive me. Maybe it was like 85% white. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then other. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it then because it was outside of my norm, my normal. I'm a kid from Maywood, so it just yeah. didn't look like, you know what I'm saying? So I I'm, don't belong here. I don't belong here. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, this is yeah. all I know because my parents keep sending me here. You know right, what I mean? right. And so from there, I did gain a lot of friends. Like I gained uh, Filipino friends, Indian friends, white friends, Hispanic friends. So I did. There was a multi-ethnic bubble within that normative, that, that majority white space that actually was exposed to me. And so... Fast forward years later, then I get this burden, feeling like I don't know if I don't know if I want to be just in a mono ethnic, mm-hmm. homogenous church mm-hmm. community because my I've learned so much and I've been in such deep community with other ethnicities. It just feels right to me. That's yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. That's you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I that, that's that's just me. Like I come from the historic black church. Well, we we got it in, man. It was black church. It was justice related. Um, but because of those experiences, my parents sent me to a majority white school slash multi-ethnic school. I just, I think God shaped something in me to desire that. And I, and I think now I know it's for the purpose of trying to open up more spaces for his multi-ethnic vision. Yeah. So your motivation wasn't that you were, that those black spaces were not good enough for you right no no, no 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 it was a it was about you feeling a sense and a call from god to say um your environment should look a little bit different than it looks right now yeah or or that or that god is raising up um taboo word here we go god is raising up bridge builders yeah you know what i mean to really because he's raising up bridge builders to help the divide et cetera, et cetera. And so I just feel like I'm part of that. Talk, talk to me about the, the bridge builder word being taboo, because the last time I checked now I'm getting older. And so I might you. not be up and hip to all the things, <laughs> but the last time I checked a bridge builder was a good thing. I've missed yeah. something. I've missed a nuance in the culture. I just think, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I just think when we talk about bridges and we talk about um, unity, yeah. it's just kind of, it's, it's just a little bit watered down right now. It's just mm-hmm. diluted Yeah, because the more we talk about unity and bridge building and togetherness, the more we see like crime, like from cops on black people. And the more we, the more we talk about building bridges and all the graphics with all these colors, you know, the silhouettes with the Brown, yellow, white, the more we see that, the more we're kind of like, I think people are more desensitized to, okay. Desensitized because it feels like everybody's trying to bridge. Yeah. It sounds like what does actually, what does bridge building look like? Exactly. Yeah. So when I say bridge building, like we always see a press conference or a panel and say, we need to build more bridges in our communities. But to be honest with you, I think that's just really diluted. 
because, because the more we see racial disparity increased, the more we really do believe that there's really big bridge building out there. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, and I, and I can't speak for the American psyche. I'm just saying, I believe the more we talk about bridge building and, and we don't see any action behind it, like some, yes. some physical evidence behind the bridge building, the more that term becomes diluted. So that's why I said taboo. That is taboo. Got you know you. what I mean? Got you. But, you know, so so I think with my background and where I've come from, um, one of the things I experienced was this. So I'm a, I get into ministry, mm-hmm. and I'm fully called to ministry. I feel fully called. But I feel called to multi-ethnic ministry. And the history of multi-ethnic ministry there's a long history, but I'll give the part that I, I've experienced over the last 20 years. Multi-ethnic ministry has been framed in a way, not all. It's been framed as white men leading an organization that is welcoming yeah. to persons of color. And that then classifies our church as multi-ethnic. You know what I mean? I know that's not the official, uh, that's not the official definition of multi-ethnic, but I'm just saying experientially Uh white men who say we're welcoming to black people or Hispanic people or Indian, whatever. And they open space for these other ethnicities to come in. The framework of the organization hasn't changed. It's still white. But now we're multi-ethnic because we do have represented in our church other cultures. You know, it's funny. Um, No shade. Um, But it cracks me up. You know, uh, a lot of pastors will be like, oh, yeah, man. We got diversity in our church. Yeah. And you got them two two black families. Two black families who are strong. Oh, they there. Every week. They there. Volunteering and everything. Yeah, man. But we got (laughs) them. Put them on the flyer. Yeah. <laughs> Put them on the marketing. Jesus. <laughs> no shade against. No, no shade. shade. Against. I'm just saying, hey, y'all I'm know it's all, true. I'm all about representation, but you know, yeah, on, to your man. point, sometimes it'd be a little, you know, a little tokenism going on. You know, that's a fact. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, Jesus. Didn't mean to lob that out So there, it's like, but, that's not yeah. multi-ethnic, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the white pastors that have open space for persons of color to come in. But my my... What I've learned over the years, and by the way, a part of this podcast even launching is because this is real facts. I mean, I'm talking like weekly. Yeah. I am counseling, encouraging, talking with, deep conversation, praying, discerning, laying hands, speaking in tongues with a person of color who is a leader or a musician or a singer or a worship leader in a majority white space. Mm-hmm who is now traumatized by the effects of that culture that loves their color, but does not welcome their culture. So, okay. So I'm going to press you on something because I'm thinking of a person that might be listening to you talk about the, the, this is what multi-ethnic church has turned into that it has become this, like, white male-led situation that feels multi-ethnic because there are uh, multiple ethnicities, but it's not, doesn't actually reflect that. What does that really mean? Like, how is that 
how do you actually see that lived out? Because there might be a person that's saying, well, I, I don't know what he's talking about. That's not true of my church. And it absolutely may be true of their church. So what are like beyond the surface things that really indicate that this is actually not a um, rich multi-ethnic situation? This is more of a, a wash. Yeah. Well, what are the symptoms? Who's at the table? Like, who's at the decision-making table? And this is for church and business and corporate or whatever, but who's at the decision-making table? And um, do do those persons of color at the decision-making table have power to actually make a difference with their voice? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I'm going to say in all, like, our church is multi-ethnic. We have represented many different colors in our church. But one of the things we're after right now is the representation of folks that are not black on our leadership because we need the perspective, the equal voice and power of those uh, in other ethnicities at the table so that our church can be more deeply formed in a multi-ethnic gospel and ecclesiology. And so, so I want to, I'm not throwing shade because we're working on it ourselves because our our leadership is mostly people of color. Mm -hmm. However, that diversity needs to happen, but we're, we're, in a lot of the spaces that I've referenced, not all of them, yeah, but in the spaces that I've referenced that I've witnessed or that a lot of these persons of color are a part of now, mm-hmm. it's white male-led leadership with majority older white male-led elders, yeah. of course, and with majority white-led um, leaders, at decision-makers at the table. Mm-hmm. And so what I experienced was when a tragedy happens, there's no empathetic voice or voice of truth at the table mm-hmm. to actually bring real concern and awareness mm-hmm. to something that may have happened in our community. For instance, police criminal activity of a white police officer on a black person or Asian hate yeah. in many communities or the disparity of Um, our Hispanic brothers and sisters who many of which have felt like they've always run for their lives. Mm -hmm. And these things are rampant in our community. And if the church is supposed to be the answer to that and the church watches and the church says they're multi-ethnic, if they say we're a multi-ethnic church and you don't have due process, voice of power, voice of diversity and reason that is not a white male leader coming from that perspective coming from that perspective to say yes kind of championing that that viewpoint of things because it's one thing you can say you can bring it up and oh yeah this is happening and this is that's happening and we need to pray for that but it's not just coming from that perspective is what i hear you saying exactly that's what that's what we all in the kingdom need to be aiming for in in terms of true multi-ethnic um, healing, reconciliation, ministry, leadership, construct is having those voices at the table to say, you know what, just as powerful as my voice is, yours is just as powerful because when you brought up the disparities of the black community when it came to George Floyd, yeah. we're here to listen and learn. And we're not reacting saying we're going to host a vigil, we're going to host a prayer night. No, no, we want to hear from our black leaders yeah. that are literally entrenched in that community and they feel the pain of that community. And they're going to lead us mm-hmm. in this. And that's 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 also not, it's MLK Day. Yes. Boy, do we get invitations for, I, listen, all right. 
Hey, you know Juneteenth coming up too. Listen about, to me. I'm not <laughs> being. I'm be not same throw- spirit. Yes, <laughs> but hear me, hear me, hear me. You gotta hear this. This is not shade being thrown. Yeah, yeah. We love to represent Martin Luther King. Yeah. Junior, we love to represent Juneteenth. I mean, it is true that the calls come a little. You know, they come a little more frequent yeah. around those times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. However, however, what we're saying is all these ethnicities during. Um, Asian American Pacific Islander um, during Hispanic Heritage Month, during, you know, all these. Can we figure out as the church how to have that consistent representation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a continual basis? Mm-hmm. And while we do honor these ethnicities in the times where our country has carved out space for that, yes, Absolutely. please. But then also, can the church do the deeper work in carving out additional spaces where it does not have to be the Heritage Month? For us to highlight a Hispanic woman who is killing it and doing great work for the kingdom and is a voice at the table mm-hmm. in our churches to help us see multi-ethnicity. And so with that being said, I said something, well, I said it earlier in, in this podcast, but I mentioned it on a clip before. Mm-hmm. You want my color, but you don't want my culture. Mm-hmm. And this is not, this is not across the board. I understand every church is not like this, but I'm giving some examples of the spaces of trauma that people of color are in now that serve in majority white churches that are, that, that are trying to be faithful to multi-ethnic. Yep. Many of them find themselves in a situation where their color is celebrated because it brings diverse reflection of the kingdom. What do we say? This looks like heaven. It looks like heaven. It looks like heaven. Because that representation is there, but then when 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 the when my true culture comes out, mm-hmm. that makes in majority white spaces that makes white people nervous. Mm-hmm. Let let me give you an example. Um, my my history for people you know people may not know my history is music, and so in the church I've done music the majority all my life in church. So as I've served in ministry over the years, music has been sort of the number one thing that I've done until I got into pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Look, my dad was an OG from the West side of Chicago. Here's all he listened to. He listened to the temptations, um, greatest hits. <laughs> Watch this. These are on tapes, right? <laughs> the Man- Y'all remember the Manila tapes? They were like, they weren't the black and clear tapes, the Manila tapes, cassette tapes. I never forget he had They a, were opaque. Opa- opaque. Yeah, you go. He had he had there was a two tape, a two tape bundle with all the Temptations greatest hits. So that's all he listened to every single day. I know every Temptation song that they've ever made and I can sing them. You understand? I grew up in the, I grew up in the richness of the black church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was playing the organ with a roll bone. You understand? With yeah. no air conditioning. Yeah. No click track. It wasn't, it, none of that stuff existed. I was playing the drums in a robe in the church where gospel music has influenced R&B, rhythm and blues, yeah. and every other genre of soul music that you can imagine. Yeah. That was my history. I did go to a majority white school where, y'all going to like this, I went through a little thing where I used to listen to uh, alternative music. You went through one of those phases. In Jesus' name. Yeah, you went through one of those phases. 
I need y'all. I need my black folks to quit. Quit acting like y'all. Hey, ain't quit acting like you didn't listen that. to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Quit acting like <laughs> you didn't like. I went through the phase too. This is you why did? I can relate. Yeah. Listen. Yes. I, I was listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. I was listening to Three Eleven. I was listening to Rage Against the Machine. I was listening Red to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot, oh, Red yes. Hot Chili Peppers with Let's Flea go. and Chad Smith. Yeah. So I'm listening to all these cats. So I went through that little phase. But at the core of who I am and who I was, mm-hmm. living in a black home, West Side of Chicago, Temptations Every Day, gospel music, my mom's greatest artist, her favorite artist was Daryl Coley. I had to listen to oh, Daryl Coley Lord. every day. Yes, yes. Lord have mercy. I can relate. So with that, now God says, I want you to serve and minister in the multi-ethnic space, mm-hmm. which... Which, without a proper the- theology of what multi-ethnic is, many of the spaces were really just white churches. Mm-hmm. And then you have a white church with a black worship leader. So here, here's where I'm coming at. What I realized, and I'm going to be honest with y'all, what I realized at the core of who I was, that thing just came out naturally. Like, we, yeah. that's just... You know what I mean? It's just who I am. So when I'm singing, yeah, when I'm singing, when I'm exhorting, it's just who I am. It's who I know. What in majority white spaces in our culture, the way that they work and still call themselves multi-ethnic is through assimilation. Yes. You have to assimilate to the majority culture. And when your uniqueness or your ethnicity or your culture then invades upon Mm -hmm. that assimilation, then we find a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why I said you want my color, but you don't want my culture because y'all, you don't know this. You probably don't know this, but I was singing this song one time. I don't know if it was Hill song or something like that. I was singing that thing. Turn the reverb up. I was singing, man. That thing got good to me, man. I did a little move, and I landed it. You understand? And um, a representative came to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't y'all be trying to date. I always y'all be trying to date and timeline me right now. Yeah, yeah. A representative came to me and was like, "Hey, man, that was great, but you're singing a little bit too urban." Wow. Yeah. Urban, urban. Hey, and urban is the cold word. You know what urban Ur- means. Urban be the cold word. I yeah. said, whoa, mm-hmm. what you mean? You, you just sang a little bit too urban. That's okay. Wild. Okay, you're not a singer, one. You not black, two. two. And what are you saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, what are you right. saying? Right. I realized in that moment this. Man, we love that we got this black representation. We love that the body can be unified. We love that black people and white people and Hispanic people, we can live in harmony and we can sing I Need You to Survive by Hezekiah Walker. And we can do, we love that stuff. But man, when that culture begins to invade. It's a threshold. When it begins to cross that threshold. Then it becomes an issue. It becomes an issue. You know, that makes me think about that makes me think about when I was in seminary and this this situation that I'm gonna reference, um, I love this person. I love her. 
but when we first started kind of coming together as a cohort, um, we were talking about representation yeah. and um, children's ministry things and all of that. And I, of course, in that space, being the only person of color in that space, started waving the flag oh, yeah. for representation yeah. um, and, and talked about cultural expression mm-hmm. um, and how it, much it mattered. And the person that we ended up getting into it because she said, oh, well, um, we were talking about churches. She didn't think it was necessary mm, that the yeah. repre- that the representation was as big of a deal as I was making it. Right. And so then she says, well, we have black people in our church and they don't raise they in other words the tension that you're expressing right, right that they don't say these things that they you know they don't they're not expressing this in the same ways so therefore i think that what you're saying is not valid but to your point that speaks about your point of assimilation, assimilation. just because they were present and that they were a part of the life of the church and all of those things and were not feeling like you didn't see those expressions coming from them doesn't mean that they didn't want to give them. It might have meant that they did not feel the space or the safety because they assimilated to their environment. And and I get some people going to push back and say, well, that's that's not a racial thing. That's the culture of our church. Okay, fine. That's your culture. Or some people might say, some people might say, well, you know, that's just, um, you know, we, we respect everybody's um, ethnicity and self-expression, but that's just not kind of how we do. Like, nobody does that. Yeah. And whatever. I, that's fine. But my point is, my point is, like you said, assimilation is the gateway to how many of these spaces work. They call themselves multi-ethnic. But they're really, I'm not beating up on my white church folks, by the way. Yeah. I want y'all to hear that. This is not but this that. is just this is just what we're dealing with. Yeah. But the assimilation is the gateway to how multi-ethnic works in those spaces mm-hmm. because you have to look and sound and act like me. And I don't know if I don't know if, I don't know if people realize that people of color and I'm black. You know, that's, I can really only speak for being a black man, mm-hmm. but I suspect that other ethnicities that are non-white have the same issue. All we do is assimilate in every context, you go to the bank, you assimilate, you, you take a certain job, you assimilate, you have to assimilate. And a lot of times people say, well, it's just the workplace culture. No, it's probably the, 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 if I'm working for in a situation where, you know, as Willie Jennings talks about whiteness, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, then it's the assimilation to that, that culture. Yep. You, you, we got to pray like you say, you know, it's we got your entire life. It's your entire life. In every in every space that we live yep. in, and so 100%. I want to I do want to give it up though, real quick for I want to give it up for my white pastor friends and folks out there that are giving open space for ethnic expression. Let's go, let's go, let's go. like for let's real. Go. That you like, hey, yeah. I hired you because I want you. Yeah, I didn't yeah. hire you because I want your color. Yeah, yeah. I want to give it up for those folks that are like, I hired you because. I want your soul and I want your experience and I want your hair yeah. and I want your vibe and I want how your expression and who you are. I'm not hiring you to turn you into me. Yeah. And so I want to give it up for y'all, but I also want to talk to those persons of color in these spaces where you feel absolutely suffocated. Yeah. And I know what that is. You feel suffocated because it's your livelihood you feel suffocated because 
um, you feel like God's called you to be in a diverse space, yeah. but now you're facing a lot of the tensions and racial tensions also that are in the world. And you're saying, yo, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm praying that what, what we're doing here mm -hmm. is we're trying to create a safe space for us to discern those things together. Because if you're called to multi-ethnic ministry, we need you in multi-ethnic ministry. Yeah, for sure. And it, you know, and we need you in that yeah. place, not in a place of toxicity, but we need you in that mind frame of God wants me in diverse groups, diverse environments to further be a bridge builder for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so you want my color, but you don't want my culture is prevalent in churches. And in order for us to have success in many of these spaces, we have to assimilate to the dominant white culture in that space because it intrudes upon the comfort of said white people. Mm -hmm. And that's just a bar that we got to sit with because that is facts. I'm going to read something. Where's my phone? At? Yeah. I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge Willie Jennings fan. Willie Jennings theologian out of, I think he's out of Duke black theologian and he, and I don't think he, I don't think he coined the term whiteness, mm -hmm. but I think he gives us good language and good framework for how we need to, how black people see the world, mm -hmm. but how the world kind of revolves the world in itself, but then also the church yeah, because it seeps into the church and Corey Edwards, by the way, the elusive dream. If y'all, y'all need to read Corey Edwards, the elusive dream sociologist out of Ohio who actually shows us how the framework of whiteness and patriarchy and power is in the world, but intrudes upon the church and the same systems we use in the world, we use in the church, which then entrenches and further pushes us into the racial divides in the church. Anyways, that's for another podcast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But let me read this by Willie Jennings. He talks about whiteness. Mm. Um, he says this, he says, whiteness not only designates white bodies as the exemplars of beauty, goodness, and truth. It also instigates patterns of thinking and ways of being that invite multiple peoples or ethnic groups to imagine their worlds through white bodies. My God. Jennings. Okay. You, just, you have to sit there in that for a second. You almost have to read it again. You almost have to read it listen, again. Listen, listen. You got to run that back when y'all listen to this. You got to run that back. You got to run it back. Jennings helps us understand that our culture, this is not an indictment upon my white brothers and sisters. This is a factual understanding of our culture. Yeah. That our culture and even our churches, many, have been steeped in whiteness and that the almost like the like like these systems of whiteness are interwoven mm -hmm. into every aspect of our lives from our ecclesiology to our vocation to even our friendships and the way we deal with justice and people and deal with neighborhoods and economics <laughs> And so I, I, I brought up Jennings because um, oftentimes in church, as a black man, as a person of color, I, I've, I have to view, most of the church is being viewed 
in light of whiteness. Because what whiteness says is that the glorified bodies of white people are the expression of excellence. Mm -hmm. And it is the target by which all other peoples, as, as Willie says, all other peoples would aspire to be to aspire to work towards. You see what I'm saying? This is the goal. I, it's just, I mean, seriously, like, and, and coming from as a person of color who has to assimilate to majority of spaces that I go in, except my church. Um, this is a reality for many who are persons of color where whiteness is the goal. It's the expression. It is the interwoven ideology that forms all of us, which is why um, I don't say we do. I don't say we should do this, but which is why dialect changes in some spaces, which is why we use the word code switching, yeah. which is why, you know, if we need to get a loan from the bank, you know, I can't go up in there like, yo, yeah, you can't. This is how I talk, fam. Yeah. But I need a loan. Yeah. Deny. <laughs> right. Denied. Right. Right. You know, and I'm not, you know, and, and so, so, so what whiteness does, what it does is it, it in the church, let's talk about in the church, in the church, now we've seen the example of excellence, growth, prosperity. Yeah out of the lens of whiteness, and now we all appropriate that to even our colored spaces of worship. Yep. Even even spiritual maturity, I would add to that list. Right. Now, now here's the thing. So draw a distinction for me because this is such a big thing right now where you have certain swaths of our white brothers and sisters who are feeling demonized yeah, because yeah. of what is being unearthed in this conversation about race, draw a distinction for me between whiteness and this. What I'm seeing, and you let me know what you think. You, you, you're, you're talking here. Draw a distinction between that whiteness and really what feels like a demonic attack against people feeling like they're made in the image of God. This is not about us talking about race in order to make you feel like less of a person. Right, of right, 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 right. So right. yeah, talk, talk about the difference between that and what we're seeing now in these culture wars. Yeah. I mean, well, one, it's not an indictment and it's not, it's not made like my, it's not for my white brothers and sisters to be made to be, to, to say you need to now be a victim through this conversation. It is exposure of the reality of the history of our, our nation that has gotten us here, right? Read Jamar Tisby, right? Color of Compromise. He does a great job historically of helping us understand how we got here and also helping us understand that we are still here. Mm -hmm. That is just factual. Yeah. That we all have been born into, those of us in this generation, we've been born into a system that promotes whiteness and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. that, that right there, fam, fam, that should not be an offensive thing. That's just the reality of our nation, our yeah. country, yep. our churches. That's just now, now that we know that now that that's a level of exposure, where do we go from there? Mm -hmm. Then now you, you and I together, and this is what I contend for. This is why I believe in multi-ethnic ministry, because I believe then, then all ethnicities then can discern together at the table in community, in fellowship, how, we reconcile the reality 
that we live in a world viewed in whiteness and how uncomfortable people of color are every day having to change, assimilate, and walk out the door with a different texture of life because the normative reality is whiteness. Yeah. Come on. And I got a lot of brothers and sisters, white brothers and sisters friends who they get it. They're like, yo, I get it, bro. Like, I love my white brothers and sisters who, when they get it, they become militant, and I have to, I yes. gotta calm them down. And then you gotta, you gotta say, "Hey, bro, bro, like, you're more turned up than man, me." Man, you turned up, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to discern. Yeah. You're trying to like you're, fight. Yes, exactly. Um, I would give them examples of stuff that I've gone through, or maybe I'm in dialogue with something. They'd be like, "That's just privilege. I can't believe that white person." You know, it's yeah. all right, bro. I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. But that's the distinction. Like, I believe. You know, Revelation 7, every tribe, every tongue, every nation mm-hmm. represented. John in Revelation saw a vision mm-hmm. of all of these nations, ethnicities together. Yeah. I'm going to get my Bible. Hold on. Because I got I, I, I to read this. Because this, this, is, this is the end all. This is the picture that we want to get to. But you can't get to this picture if you don't know you're broken. And we're still figuring out the brokenness of our racial divide. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he says this in Revelation 7. Mm-hmm. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, which no one could number, standing before the throne before the lamb they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who is seated on the throne and to the lamb john saw this vision of every nation every tribe every tongue i i don't want to wait till then we can be crying out in worship now with every nation every tongue but we can't do it in true integrity and honesty in the kingdom without exposing our nation's sin that's got us here. Yeah. So this is a problem. Yep. And so when we talk about whiteness and white supremacy, that's the framework by which we are allowing the kingdom to come and expose, but then also to come and Holy Spirit heal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there is an end game to this. Mm-hmm. It's not just let's make people feel bad. It's, Let's expose the reality of what we're dealing with so that the kingdom of God can come and flourish. Every tongue, tribe, nation can be represented in fullness at the table in the eyes of God because God cares about his multi-ethnic vision. Yeah. And I want to care about what God cares about. Mm -hmm. God doesn't care about America's vision for prosperity and gain and capitalism. God doesn't care about America's um, vision for um, America's past vision and in many ways current vision of using black bodies to raise the economic floor and then say you have the same the same opportunities we do. Yeah, I believe God hates that. And I don't think he's I, I think he's so grieved by that, which is why I believe he's raising up voices to help. Reveal the kingdom of God in these spaces of despair. Tell truth to power because truth hurts. Mm -hmm. But then for those who are willing to listen, Mm 
and willing to comply, then the spirit can raise up a new generation of multi-ethnic leaders, churches, communities, where we see the kingdom of God flourishing and not one people group only. Mm-hmm. And um, I mentioned this um, before, and we'll talk about this on another podcast. And um, This is not to say that God wants every church multi-ethnic. Yeah. This is to say that God's church is already multi-ethnic and that he is he is he is excited and cheerful and joyful and as Zephaniah says he's singing over yeah. the fact that we have come against the demonic powers of racism and injustice and inequality and have brought all his people to the table together i believe god sings over that i think yeah. he's happy over that i think he's excited for that and that's why your church doesn't have to be multi-ethnic, but I believe God wants you to seek out how your life, your church's life, can be in relationship with others to form this unity and multi-ethnic for the kingdom of God. I started preaching, didn't I? You I didn't did. Mean to do that. You did. I didn't mean to do that. You're in, this. What I really hear you getting to the point of, especially when we bring scripture into the conversation, which it should always be in the conversation, and you were talking about, like, God's not leaning into these other visions of these other earthly kingdoms that we have. No. It's, it makes me think of the word decolonization. Mm-hmm. That what we're really trying to do, what part of this process is decolonizing our theology and our way of being in this walk with other people. And that's not decolonization, just thinking about like the ways that we typically think about it. Right. Decolonizing our kingdom theology around multi ethnic existence as a body from everything that doesn't look like what you were just reading. Yeah. Everything that doesn't yep. look like God, everything yep. that doesn't look like scripture. That's that's exactly right. Decolonizing, decolonizing, not just an activist posture, not just in a, a racial posture, but in a mm-hmm. kingdom posture mm-hmm. that whatever doesn't look like this, yep. you're right, that that God's in active pursuit of crumbling these systems of oppression and racism. But here's the thing. Here's why we're having these conversations on the Gospel and Race podcast is because. God doesn't rain down from heaven and starts fixing disparities in our communities. Mm -hmm. God's movement in the earth is through the church. And God, if he has a grief, it's with the church being unwilling to engage what he's passionate about. Mm -hmm. That's where I feel the church has lost its luster in many respects because we want to pick and choose what we think God's passionate about. And he's very clear as to what he's passionate about. Do justice. He loves mercy. He loves equality. He loves unity. Jesus prayed for it for his disciples. Jesus said, listen, here's all I want to say to you, God. I just pray that they will be one as you and I are one. He's all about unity. We are the ones that let our humanity mess it up and made it about money and prosperity and gain and all these things. And we think God really cares if we get a new car or not. We think God really, really cares if we get new stuff. God, God, God cares that his church, 
is passionate about what he's passionate about, which in my opinion is true justice, true reconciliation, true equality, which means that our nation is at fault Mm -hmm. and the churches that comply with the systems of this world are at fault and even in sin when we choose not to engage the least of these, those who are on the margins, those communities of color who have been disparaged in our country, when we don't engage the racisms, when we want to chalk it up to other people and say, well, that's not what God's called us to. No, that's what God's called us to. And we've got to be faithful to his witness. And so I'm going to end with this because I believe in the multi-ethnic church. Yeah. I, that's that's something that I, I'm going to pursue. I'm going to fight for. The multi-ethnic church has gotten a bad rap. It's been hijacked in some spaces by whiteness. It's been misunderstood. Um, a lot of my people of color have been burned by multi-ethnic church. And it's really because of the despairs of race and injustice and the lack of empathy towards people of color. But I believe that God is restoring the integrity of the multi-ethnic church in this community, in, in his communities. And we're going to see a revival in diversity, true unity, true multi-ethnic reconciliation. Yeah. And that's what we're going to really lean into. And so I'm going to give you all some opportunities to lean into that. Um, right after this, we're going to talk about, we're creating some additional spaces outside of the podcast okay, to, to, to lean into this deeper because I, I suspect I don't suspect. I know. Yeah. There's. I, I'm in community with them. I talk with them. There's so many other people of color who say, "Yo, gee, I feel called to the multi-ethnic church, but I can't get burned again." And there's so many of my white pastor friends who say, "I feel called to multi-ethnic church, but I don't know where to start, and I don't know what to do with what I have, and I don't know how to turn the ship." And there are other others who say, "Hey, I I have a multi-ethnic church." but we have poorly stewarded the ethnicities within our congregation and I need help to make it right. I think we're going to have some resources to help people make it right. Girl, thank you. I'm here for it. Thank you. Thank you for hanging. Of course. Look, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to do this again. Yeah. But shout out to our first podcast. We got it in the books, yo. We got it in the books. Yes. I hope y'all blessed and y'all stay with us. And if you would subscribe to the channel so that we can keep you posted on all the future episodes and all the stuff that we're doing in this space. I believe God's doing something here. Yeah, I do too. All right, y'all. Peace. We out. We out. Everybody, Greg Armstrong here. I hope you're enjoying the Gospel and Race podcast. I do realize that we have so much more to dig into as it relates to this conversation about the church and race. And so I've created a space for us to have a community, a network of sorts, a relational network of like-minded leaders who want to engage multi-ethnic leadership, church planting, and kingdom work. So we call it the Multi-Ethnic Leaders Network. I got a website for you. I want you to visit multi-ethnicnetwork.com so that you can get all the information about being a part of this community. Let's grow together. Let's see racial disparities in our churches and in our communities dispelled by the power of the kingdom and by unified voices and collaboration. Y'all join with me today.